The woke left tried their very hardest to ruin and to cancel Canada Day this year. Let's not let them ruin Remembrance Day too. I'm Candace Malcolm and this is The Candace Malcolm Show. Hi, thank you so much for tuning into the program. It's great to have you with us. Now, if you have been following the news, if you've been following our reports at True North, you know about the controversy when it comes to the flag. The flag was lowered to be taken down to half mast at the end of May. May. So we're talking about six months ago. Justin Trudeau, the Prime Minister of Canada, said, let's lower the flags in commemoration. At the time, we just learned about an apparent discovery of unmarked graves at a residential school near Kamloops, British Columbia. So um, the band leader came out, said that they had evidence and proof of unmarked graves of children who had attended the residential schools. As you know, it created an incredible media backlash. Several other bands came forward with their own claims of unmarked graves and basically the country went into mourning there was this great um, shame cast over all Canadians and these really really wild accusations that say that uh, basically Canada committed genocide Canada committed genocide Canada was a genocidal state that the residential schools were not aimed at with the intention of educating people and lifting them out of poverty but the intention of those residential schools was simply to kill everybody that that's basically the accusation that has been leveled against Canada by the woke left and Justin Trudeau just sort of shrugged and said uh, let's just lower these flags down to have mass this is totally unprecedented totally unprecedented for the flags to be lowered down in commemoration of a historical event and also to be remain uh, lowered for this long so so more and more people were calling for those flags to go up they finally did go up uh, mostly just so that they could go down again on Remembrance Day and so I think that's at least a good sign okay we're coming together as a country we're saying look uh, some really bad things happened in the past the residential schools uh, were a horrible um, abuse of power and, and a terrible program that, that has gone wrong that went wrong I don't defend it in any way uh, however I don't think that the intent of it was to kill people I think the intent of it was good they wanted to educate people um, unfortunately you know this this one-size-fits-all policy where they took children out of their homes and forced them into residential school bad idea lots of bad things happened lots of bad outcomes. Okay, so because of this, because of the sort of discovery and this sort of public awakening that we've had uh, when it comes to the woke left demanding that every Canadian can see to this point that we committed genocide, that Canadians are genocidal, that our country is built on this horrible legacy, um, that we're all white supremacists, that we have to decolonize our country. They, they, they did their best to try to ruin our country's national holiday on Canada Day. As you recall, there were huge efforts to cancel Canada Day and it worked and it worked. Some politicians were just so afraid um, to speak back against the mob, to, to tell them what they're saying is wrong, um, that, they, that they allowed it. They, they canceled their own ceremonies, that they, they tried to they tried to equate all of Canada's history uh, to this one program that was a failed program, and because of it, we just didn't get to do Canada Day in the same way. I mean, let me just say that most Canadians ignored that. Most Canadians still went out and enjoyed their freedom and, you know, and celebrated with fireworks and with friends and drinks and all the things that we love to do on July 1st on Dominion Day or Canada Day. Um, but, but there was that movement and there was sort of an ugly shadow that was hanging over, looming over us all during Canada Day. Well, we, we sort of have the same moment now with Remembrance Day where um, for some reason, instead of the, you know, the whole country coming together to honor the good parts of our history, to honor the people who sacrificed uh, for our freedom, some of the great accomplishments that Canada has had on a military front to keep the entire world safe. Instead of talking about that, the same shame is sort of looming over us once again, the same woke forces 
are trying to cancel Canada Day. And so I wanted to bring on a guest today on the program to help us understand uh, this phenomenon and, and really how we can push back and fight against it. So I am joined by Mark Milkey. Dr. Mark Milkey is a public policy analyst, keynote speaker, author, columnist, and an author of six books. His most recent book is called The Victim Cult. I really recommend you check it out. It is excellent. So Mark, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me on, Candice. Well, so Mark, you know, it's, it's Remembrance Day. This is a time where Canadians usually reflect upon our history, where we honor uh, those who have sacrificed for our country. But then there is this sort of looming, uh, you know, guilt that Canadians are, are, are meant to, to feel uh, about some of the revelations about our history, uh, some of the darker moments of our history. So l let me ask you this, you know, you're, you're a historian, you're, you're very well versed in Canadian history. Do you think Canadians have reason to be proud? And, and you know, how can we push back against uh, some of the naysayers who say that we should just sort of feel this eternal guilt about being Canadian. Yeah, absolutely. We should feel proud. Uh, and I think the core problem in what you're seeing today, this notion that we can't celebrate Canada uh, is, is actually utopian. I mean, uh, I wrote about this in the victim cult, but if you, if you look at the past, uh, or the, the last century rather, uh, the ideologues and the utopians um, were at least looking forward, right? I mean, Marxists were dead wrong in economics, but they thought they cre could create this new perfect world in the future. And now we're beset by ideologues and utopians who look past, uh, to the past, and wonder why it wasn't perfect. Well, because you live in an imperfect planet with imperfect people. Um, so uh, the notion that we can't celebrate Canada is uh, compared to what? Um, compared to a utopia of one's imagination of the past or the present or the future? Or uh, who? Um, First Nations in Canada who, uh, you know, let me be blunt, uh, I mean, look, um, everyone should be remembered fondly for their service to Canada and their contribution to Canada on this day. But there is really no people group in the history of the planet, for the most part, that wasn't involved in, for example, slavery, uh, including in British Columbia and including before, um, you, know, uh, you know, what people like to call settlers. You know, most of us, and most of our ancestors came. So there's no perfect history. And that's part of the problem today is people somehow weirdly expect that history and those in it should have been perfect. Right. Well, there, there's this weird, uh, we're in this weird moment, Mark, where we're supposed to really carefully reflect upon, you know, Canadian history and all of the wrongs that have been done by Canadians. Um, but, but to your point, you know, the, the, the history of the sort of pre-European um, history in North America is really largely undiscussed and undiscovered. I remember you wrote an interesting piece uh, not too long ago, I think it was in the Orca, where you talked about how uh, prior to Europeans, uh, you know, the idea that First Nations were peaceful and, and loving is, is totally wrong, that they were quite cruel and barbaric in some ways. Um, and uh, like you mentioned, the uh, the history of slavery uh, is, is re really something that people don't, don't know much about. Uh, what I've noticed recently is that we can't even really discuss um, the history of migration when it comes to First Nations people. Because when I was in school, uh, we were taught that, that people came across the Bering Land Bridge. Maybe it was uh, you know, prior to an ice age, but still, you know, maybe thousands of years ago, maybe, maybe more than that, maybe less than that. Uh, but, but it seems now that there's this weird notion where um, that none of this history is even discussed. It's like politically incorrect or something. So, so why is it that some history is, is so important to dissect? And, and look through and revisit, uh, whereas other history is completely brushed over and, and forgotten? Well, history has become politicized. So whenever politics gets into history, um, it's no longer honest history. And I think it's become you know, a, a weapon. Uh, it's been weaponized uh, from some ideologues. 
Um, look, you know, if I came from a culture that had been recently abused, and my ancestors have been abused, and again, everyone's has, if you go back far enough, I'd probably be sensitive as well to criticism of, say, my culture. But I think the problem is um, no one owns the past, no one owns history, no one owns even one's own ethnicity or culture. Uh, what happened, happens. The question is, how do you get to a better spot today? Uh, which is, you know, where I like to go. But I think you also have to start in honesty in the past. So yes, I think obviously, um, you know, if, if I was an indigenous Canadian, I'd be pretty upset um, that, you know, the vote was removed and wasn't restored until 1960. Um, but I think part of what we're facing today is this weird dynamic where um, social media can amplify a past tragedy. And uh, there are all sorts of past tragedies that can be amplified. But if you think pre-social media, I mean, let's go back to the 1970s. You know, I don't know if you were around, um, but you know, I was a kid, but, um, or the 1980s or even the early 1990s, really before the internet took off. You would have to have, say, major newspapers or uh, news hour broadcasts at 6 p.m., say in the United States, the big three, pound on a story again and again and again to make it, you know, really, you know, give it life day after day, like the Watergate hearings, right? Because there was something new every day. Weirdly now that with social media, that we can extract an event out of the past, uh, and again, there's no shortage of tragedies, and say, well, this, this is the reason I am the way I am today, or my group is the way I am today. That's actually really dangerous. It's a false uh, cause and effect link. But I think there's, there's some of that happening um, today as well. I don't know if I fully answered your question, but I mean, that's, that's part of the dynamic I think that we're seeing. And we have to think carefully about really dragging the past out to beat up the present. Right. And, and, and to, to the point that you make in the victim cult is that it's not helpful. I mean, to, to people who ha come from a group that has been marginalized or that have been uh, victimized, you know, it's, it's good to acknowledge that, but does it really help them move on, you know, thinking of some of these new concepts, these new woke concepts that we hear about, like white privilege, uh, the, the sort of idea that is undergrained is that uh, white people have more power. And, 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 and that's a very dangerous message to be putting out in society because it, it can give people of all, all different backgrounds a really bad uh, idea of, of what the real world is. You know, if you're, if you're not white, you might think, oh, no matter how hard I try, I'm never going to succeed. And if you are white, you might think, oh, I'm, I'm going to coast through life and everything's going to be easy for me and both of those things are obviously wrong and so a, a part part of it is like how do we how do we come together as a country and make sure that there is equal opportunity and that all people are treated fairly now and make sure that people who are still in poverty people who live in some of these really remote reserves have the opportunities that they should have in a country like canada mark how, how do we how do we make our country better amidst this whole sort of um woke left uh, guilt trip that we're in the middle of well, I think you're, you're onto something and, and what you mentioned earlier about remembering history. Uh, so again, I look, I'm fully in favor of remembering history, you know, all of it, the bad, the good, the warts, the ugly. Um, but I think part of it is again, reminding people that first of all, no one's ancestors are pure. Um, you know, uh, you go back far enough and everybody's got a black sheep in the family, their ancestral or ethnic or national tree. But also, um, you know, remembering the good parts of history, like it's not as black and white as people think. When you, one of the articles I think you, well, you referenced it a moment ago that I wrote a few months ago in the Oracle was about British Columbia's history. And I came across this, this book about the history of uh, black Canadians written in the early 1970s. And it had some real gems. It actually talked about, for example, there was a migration in uh, the late 1850s, early 1960s of hundreds of black Californians to Victoria. And they were actually warmly accepted by the local Anglican church, by the local governor at the time. I think it was James Douglas. Um, 
And they wrote back to their, you know, uh, to, to other, you know, friends and relatives in California saying what a wonderful place Victoria was. And of course, like everybody who moves to Victoria, even then bragged about the gardens, or, you know, the, the pleasant, uh, you know, climate and the rest of it. Um, but this was 1860. And oddly enough, or ironically enough, you know, the intolerance towards um, some black immigrants to Canada in Victoria came a little bit later when there was more American immigration from California and elsewhere of whites. Um, you know, because there was, you know, I mean, they're in the middle of the Civil War or about to enter it or, or exiting it, depending on the period you're talking about. But Anglican Canadians in, you know, British, the British Empire in early 1860s, they were welcoming to Blacks. And in fact, they were encouraged to run for office. They were given citizenship. I think it was after nine months or something like that, or certainly allowed to run for office even after nine months. And so, um, I mean, there, there's no perfect history and there's, you know, Black spots on, on the history of Canada for sure. But I think part of combating the nonsense today is to kind of virtually shake people a little bit and say, again, are, are, you're kind of missing the point if you think this group you know, has some sort of moral advantage over this group. Um, I mean, as you know, from the victim cult, I, I quoted Alexander Solzhenitsyn, in the famous Soviet dissident, you know, and he talks about how it's common for people to say, if only uh, you are removed from this situation or, you know, taken out, you know, in communist, you know, dictatorships of, of his era, if only we remove this person, uh, life will be better. Uh, and we see that person as evil. And what he said was, no, the line between good and evil runs between, uh, you know, is it each human heart? It's in each one of us, that line, that dividing line. And so it's actually hubris for anyone to suggest that, again, we can't celebrate Canada um, because someone in 1867, a 19th century imperialist, was a 19th century imperialist. Um, well, I would hope we could take stuff from First Nations history and celebrate it, regardless of the fact that, yes, First Nations practiced slavery in British Columbia when the British tried to stamp it out, including James Douglas, who in one case bought a slave to free that slave in around 1850 and uh, tried to wipe out slavery in British Columbia uh, during his tenure. And it wasn't exactly successful. It lasted until the late 1890s in British Columbia because the region was so remote at that time. Um, so long answer to short question. I mean, I think telling the truth about history, um, in other words, getting people to think a little more modestly about everyone's history might be part of the remedy. Yeah, no, that's a really interesting point. And, and again, something that we don't often hear about. We, we often hear about how the British had slaves, held slaves, or the Americans held slaves. Uh, we don't often hear about how it was the British and then the Americans who were the sort of the earliest people in the world um, to stop slavery and to fight against those who continued uh, to, to carry slaves. I, I totally agree with your point, Mark, that we need to do more to celebrate uh, First Nations people and, and history and their contributions. One, one of the things that, that happened this year um, is that, that there was a, a second sort of Veterans Day, uh, First Nations Veterans Day, or I think it's called Indigenous uh, Veterans Day, that, that, that fell a couple days before Remembrance Day. And I, to, for me, I would prefer that we celebrate all together. We're all one country. Our contributions came together, uh, whether it was in the First World, Second World War, uh, Korea, Afghanistan, wherever it was, we were fighting together. Um, uh, but, but, but to your point, perhaps having a, a, a second dedicated day uh, to uh, First Nations contributions might, might help Canadians learn more of those stories. Uh, what, what's your take on that? Do you, do you think it's a good idea to have these well, two separate might, days? but I don't like separate ceremonies. The, uh, the acerbic comedian, American comedian Bill Maher, has ripped a strip off of um, colleges and universities in the United States and have separate black graduation ceremonies. Um, because I mean, really under, you know, he said, welcome back to separate but equal, right? And I think it's the same danger here. Add to, the, add to history, you know, let's, let's help people remember it. I mean, I just wrote a column 
uh, for the Calgary Herald on uh, Winston Churchill, remembering Winston Churchill properly. And the co-author was Kelvin Van Esch, who's half Mohawk. Um, his, his father's Mohawk, his mother's Dutch German. Um, and he hates identity politics because as he told me in a personal call, and I don't think he minds you know, me saying this, I mean, what's he supposed to do? Look down on his mother because she's white? Um, so this is a really dangerous uh, precedent. We have separate this, separate that. Um, I mean, the, the ideal of liberal democracy um, isn't, isn't bad. It is that you look at people as individuals only in law and policy. And it doesn't matter who you are, where you come from, rich, poor, your background, your ethnicity, your nationality, what happened to your ancestors, what your ancestors did to my ancestors. When you get before a court of law, when you apply for a government program, when you're in the unemployment line or whatever it is, um, you're treated as an individual. Um, and unfortunately, we're going away from that, that uh, focus on the individual to, again, celebrating us because of, of whatever. The danger in that, Candace, is none of us can change um, this, our skin color. None of us can change you know, much else about how we were born or our history. Um, and I think it's, you know, people often make the same mistake in history and repeat the same evil, and sometimes from the best of intentions. So they think, well, you know, to, to make up for past wrongs, we need to kind of discriminate against someone now. I mean, think about the illogic of that. So let's suppose you're, I don't know, the grandson of a Holocaust survivor, um, and somehow because you've got the wrong skin color in, a, in an application for employment today to the federal government, because you're not the right uh, color or ethnicity, you may lose out the job. I mean, to even discuss, to even have that, I think is so offensive to the notion of treating individuals as individuals. Um, and that's the danger is we're, we're trying to correct the past in quotes, um, you know, by, by making up for it in the present and, and you can't. Um, now look, there's, there's some, you know, if you step on my toe, Candace, and, you know, or, or hit me, you know, your car drives into mine and it's your fault. Well, you know, you're on the hook for repairing my car, or, you know, I don't know, my medical bill for my foot, if this wasn't Canada and it wasn't public health care. But um, beyond like pretty clear cause and effect links, you know, the Japanese, their properties confiscated, we owed them uh, after that confiscation in, in, you know, in the 1950s for what we did in the 1940s or what Canada did. Uh, but, be, but beyond clear cause and effect links and recent cause and effect links, it's really dangerous to go down this road of your group was, you know, unkind to my group and we're going to now um, punish your group in the present as if anybody alive today had anything to do with slavery, you know, uh, abolished in the United States in 60, 1865 or practically abolished in Canada in 1820 uh, and in the entire British Empire of 1833, in fact. So um, it's a very dangerous road we're going down. So again, I think it's helpful to remember that um, you wanna help people as individuals. Um, you know, if you're poor, we have a government program to help you out, that sort of thing. But to stay away from identity politics. Uh, again, my, fellow, my friend Kelvin, who wrote this op-ed about, you know, indigenous soldiers, by the way, we added that to the column, three indigenous soldiers that deserve celebration. That's the way to do it. Um, you celebrate together, um, you know, and, and we've come a long way to try and get to that point. Um, and it's really moving backwards to have separateness in any form or fashion. Well, that's very well put and I appreciate it. Just final question for you, Mark. You know, it's Remembrance Day. Uh, is, is there any one specific moment in history or any one story that you, you like to reflect on, you like to think about on Remembrance Day? You just mentioned a column that you wrote about some uh, First Nations moments. So maybe, maybe you, can, you can share one of those with us. Well, um, sure. And, you know, one of the soldiers and, and um, so we had three names in the column and, and it's not in front of me, but uh, one was an indigenous sword, soldier born in Saskatchewan, 
um, was the first Edmonton police officer of, of First Nations ancestry and later went off to, to fight in the First World War um, and was a runner. Um, in fact, he was also the first Indigenous person in Canada to compete in the Olympics. Um, ended up being a runner because of his you know, physical prowess in World War I, uh, tragically died in 1917. Um, but that's the kind of thing we can, we can celebrate and point to, and, um, and we should. So that's what we did in our column. And, and if you look up the, the column at either markmilkey.com or the Calgary Herald and you know, look for you know, Mark Milkey and Kelvin Van Esch, you'll see the column there uh, about the uh, Indigenous service in, in our nation's history. Brilliant. Well, yeah, I encourage everyone to go out and do that. And uh, thank you, Mark, for joining us on Remembrance Day. Hope you have a, a wonderful day reflecting and doing uh, doing what you have, whatever you do on Remembrance Day. So thank you so much for uh, joining us today. Thank you, Candice. All right. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Candice Malcolm, and this is The Candice Malcolm Show.